Welcome to the Cricket's Sidecar, where we go a little further into a story of note with the person who wrote it. Hello, it is Chris McGinn with the Manchester Cricket here on a beautiful weekend afternoon with Erica Brown, the editor of the Cricket. <laughs> Hi, Erica. Hey, I love how when you start the podcast, you like, it's like slipping into a warm bath with Chris, <laughs> you know, Chris McGinn. She lures gently into it. And with me, it's like, hey, right? We're going to slide into the paper now. And Erica's like, no, we're going to jump. And I'm like, hey, hey, everybody. Exactly. So we need that because I didn't... You complete me. Thanks, Erica. Super. That's kind of how it works around here. We sort of do complete each other when it comes to putting the paper together. Having said that, this week, Erica pretty much completed the paper alone. So we're going to walk through. I need to be caught up to speed on some of these things that I looked at but didn't work on that are tremendously interesting. The first is, sadly, I missed the epic Festival by the Sea here in Manchester, but you did not. And we have some fantastic photographs of some of the vendors that you visited. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, Festival by the Sea is an annual, um, wasn't really started by the Chamber, the Cape Ann Chamber, great now known as the Greater Cape Ann Chamber of Commerce. It wasn't started by them solely. It really was started by a, a group of people. I think the Rotary was involved in the beginning, and um, there were some artisans. They wanted to have sort of a, a festival, you know, an event that would bring people to Manchester um, around the arts, you know, crafts yeah. and arts and, and vendors and things like that. But over time, the Chamber really took the lead on it, and it has really been a Chamber event. And COVID kind of disrupted it, yeah. but it's it's back now. And that was really lovely. It was really fantastic. Typically, there are about 100 vendors who come into town, really. And I had no idea there were so many. And, yeah. and yet, clearly, there are. I mean, And they come from all over the place. I mean, they come from all over New England. And they set up, you know, booths. And the booths are set up in Masconomo Park, Reed Park, right. and the Town Common. So right. it really kind of almost acts as a um, bookends to oh, nice. the town. And it's really designed to encourage people to come to town and really experience the downtown. Right. Um, people come for the beach, but oftentimes downtown is something yeah. you drive through to get to so the So it's beach. really designed to support the downtown retailers, the downtown you know, restaurants. And last year during COVID, the, or I'd say during the two years that it was in COVID, it kind of had this abbreviated quality to it where they kind of forewent the booths and the vendors and focused solely on the downtown merchants and encouraged a sidewalk bizarre kind of thing. Yes. And there were some people who also a came stroll. in. But for the most part, it was like a, yes, it, actually, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because it felt it's kind way. of like the summer version of the holiday stroll that the chamber also does. Okay. So, okay. And that really is about, you know, the downtown merchants, you know, greet people. Right, right. With, they open their shops. There's like little bits. And, yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's kind of fun exactly. that way. So that's kind of what it was. Well, this was the first year that was back to normal. Now there yeah. were 80 vendors this year, not a hundred, okay. but, and it was over a hundred degrees. It was a tough day, but still <laughs> people tough. came out. And I was thinking, I manned the welcome booth for four hours. Well, I was done you, mm-hmm. pulling your weight. So um, it was great. And I'm happy to report that there was this really nice, steady stream of people who came. And honestly, I didn't think about it until afterwards because I was thinking, oh my gosh, it's so hot. You <laughs> one day go home and have like something cold. But the truth is I realized, I thought afterwards, I thought, wait a minute, I'll bet as hot as we thought it was, it was hotter in Beverly and in Peabody. And, and like, because oh. you, you have that drop in Cape Ann that happens when you're on 128 
for anybody who ever goes on 128 with the windows down, which is very unusual, but that's me. Um, I don't always do it, but you can, anybody who, who is on 128 and happens to have in the summertime has their windows down, you notice after the Grapevine Road exit, yes. about a quarter mile afterwards, you feel the drop. It's That's like a 10 degree drop. I had not thought of it, but having the good fortune of being sometimes in a convertible, you're exactly right. You notice it and you're like, we're getting closer to the sea. We're exactly. getting in. Exactly. So, that, so, so there was an exodus from these So that towns might on fire. explain the fact that people were actually there. There it is, <laughs> right? They were just escaping yeah. the, the hotter spots. Well, but I will say this one, one thing about Festival of the Sea, and this was in the paper, okay. like with the bi, we have a local bi weekly now, as you. I mean, I, I'm, it's not for you. It's actually for anybody who's listening. We have a bi-weekly focus on local shopping. It's like yes. a shopping guide. We have yeah. products and we do it according to themes. It's something we started to support the retailers during COVID, but people love it so much yeah. that we've continued it and it's really fun and we're never going to stop. Excellent. But usually people, and this was very interesting exercise because most people think that people come from out, you know, they're carpet bagger, they're carpet bagger vendors, you know, they're crafters <laughs> coming from Vermont of all places. You right. Know? Yes. And they're course. not really helping downtown. But the truth is that we focus on all of the people who are a part of Festival by the Sea selling their wares who are all local. All local, of which there are many and delight, like a fantastic assortment of things here. Yeah. We included, there was a uh, you know, uh, Lori Testaverde was selling these uh, shells. She's um, her yeah. father is a is a has a boat really well known apparently in, in Gloucester. I don't know him, but oh, but fantastic. she comes from Gloucester and she did these handmade shells. We had Karen Stoll, who was Mark Stoll's sister, yes, who from I've Manchester seen in the by shop. the book. He had yes. her exhibit up in his windows earlier, up in yeah. his storefront, she and had these kind of eco prints yeah. that she makes. It's kind of decoupage, but with real prints. It's yeah. almost like flower pressing, but it's with plants. You know, like ferns. It's like flower pressing meets decoupage meets, meets like, like sun prints, but it it has a very cool modern and yet warm vibe to it. I like them very much. She's I, quite good. I actually picked up some of her digital scans, her high res digital scans. They were like twenty dollars a piece. They were beautiful. Nice. I picked up three of them, and then of course um, <laughs> Manchester seventeen seventy two, which is a a small book but really packed, and that's for the Manchester Historical Museum's exhibit. Oh. They had re actors reenacting. Get out. All day long for 1772. <laughs> Sweating. And they were amazing. They were amazing. Okay, they good. were this troop of women out of Concord or Lexington. Okay. And they were amazing. Oh, man. They were amazing. Wonderful. And then the other thing I just loved was this guy, Steve Foote. He's from Gloucester as well. And he's got, he had this kind of machine age booth where he had these mannequin, you know, lamps and these like he took machines and turned those into lamps but the Ooh. thing i thought were so cool is he does all this artwork out of old books so oh, he he creates the lobster well the lobster made it in and the lobster is essentially i mean you you know i have to describe it i hope i describe it accurately you know adequately for people listening right. but it's literally a a pop-up it's a little um figurine for that you can put on a on a shelf but it's a lobster that's been laser cut out of a book and the spine of the lobster is the spine of the book and so it's that's ah. where it gets its structure from and it fans out and you can prop it up and it was only you know $22 and it was so cool and we included that but he also makes boxes like beautiful like jewelry boxes out of old books so he cuts out oh, the nice. interior pages 
and epoxies oh, them right. together well, and it becomes a book. Things. And you can hide things. You can have a hide Everyone has one of those. Anyway, Mark will tell you. I think I spent way too much time talking about no, it. No, but there you go. It was delightful. And these crazy mugs that you have also these oh God, like the wild mugs. faces, like delightful. That was Some awesome. days you need to just be exactly. drinking out one and of these. It literally, it had these like hilarious uh, contorted faces in all sorts of expressions on the sides of these mugs. They almost look like puppets. Right. And some some of them are have a furrowed brow and are right. looking really like nasty. And I thought, what is this? And then you'd turn the mug around. It's this potter from up in and she was from Vermont, so I feel you know. But uh, but you turn it around and it says before coffee. There it is. You should have it's an brutal. assortment of these and it's like, okay, what kind of a day is it gonna I go, be? Now How I get do I feel? it. Now yeah. I get it. There it is. All right, super. Well, good. Well, it looked delightful. I'm sorry to have missed it, but I feel like I was there now. So thank you, Erica. (laughs) So shifting gears a little bit, um, I did hear about this on the water, actually, from Bayan, who shared that there had been a disturbance in the force in our waters (laughs) here in Manchester. (laughs) And it sounded like there was a bit of a a confluence of things that led to some tricky issues for our beloved harbor master and those people in the water that day. So can you bring us up to speed on Yeah, we wrote that issue. we wrote about that in the fifth edition, the edition, the August fifth edition. And that's of course Bayon Pike, the harbor master of Manchester. Yeah. Um and he was talking, of course, the disturbance of the force. I don't know if that was his language or not. <laughs> no, mine. All mine. Sorry. <laughs> he was much more diplomatic about it. But it's really about Sand Dollar Cove and Long Beach and which is a um a ride directly across uh it's the cove directly across from Tux Point. So it's like the kind of the mouth of the harbor and the, the yes. inner harbor. And uh, sort of going out into the outer harbor. And um, it's a popular place because it's shallow and sandy. It's right. a shallow, sandy cove. And any shallow, sandy coves you get anywhere around Cape Ann or, or in Beverly, you know, Marblehead deals with this and Salem and Beverly, it attracts leisure boaters. And it's funny, um, a friend of ours, Woody Kelly. Oh, um, yes. He pulled up a, uh, a Moby Dick reference and he said, well, you know, the practice of lashing up together to for, not for a party, by the way, but just lashing up boats lashing yes, up together yes. to, to create maybe one big raft, say, right. right? A sort of flotilla um, that of is, sorts. Yeah, exactly. Like a flotilla, <laughs> which people uh, do for leisure boating. Right. Uh, it's not my thing. It's not my jam. Yeah. But right. it is people's I'm a little jams, more like, and it's let's fine. get out <laughs> alone. <laughs> but it's really popular. And, you know, um, oh, indeed. but it's called gamming, G-A-M-I-N-G, and, it, and it's referred to in Moby Dick. And what they would do is, you know, when they were going out to um, – for whales, whaling, okay. for provisions and trading, ah. they would they would lash up together and they would exchange things. Okay, you know I'm not sure if they would exchange letters, but <laughs> they would exchange <laughs> things that they need provisions. Bits of advice, and it was called gamming. So gamming, we'll have to try to use that in normal conversation. Conversation only, because if you wrote it down, you put it in the newspaper, people think you were talking about gaming, gaming. and it was cool. like gambling going on at Lobster Cove, and that would be a whole different controversy. <laughs> What's happening? We've lost control. Yeah. So anyway, there's a big party on July. Actually, the, he, the problem really was is there were two parties um, right. that happened on July 23rd. <laughs> and I know that because uh, Bayon Pike went before the select board a couple of weeks ago and he said it was a real problem. Yeah. Uh, it was overcrowding and he was he was upset about it. And, and he said, you know, we really need to get control of this. And my flag went up because I remember covering several years ago, I think it was 2019. Okay. It was a big controversy for the boaters at that exact spot. Right. And it was it was what I call a faux controversy. And the reason a why I call it a faux a controversy. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Gamming and controversy. A controversy. <laughs> 
it was a fraud. It wasn't really a controversy, but I mean, I it was. Listen, I'm just going to say, we're going to call it. It, it was, was a controversy, and I'll tell you why. Because it was a fake conversation. Uh-huh. It was. It was literally. I was. There were three public hearings that Bayon had about this controversy, and this is 2019. It was over eelgrass, of course, and it was about you know the protection. It was about the protection of a sub, you know, sub oceanic, uh, you know, a, a, a grass that grows, and and it was actually very interesting. I learned a lot about eelgrass right. um, during this these three public hearings <laughs> where hundreds of people showed up for each one, and it was extremely animated. Okay, and by the way, the reason there were three of them that Bayon and the Harbor Advisory Committee said at the time, and Bayon, I'll never forget, he goes. We're going to have these conversations. We're going to have these public hearings until everybody feels heard. I love him. I know. That's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, we are so lucky. He to exhausted have them with his understanding, <laughs> um, his understanding <laughs> posture. So, anyway, so he, we had this controversy about eelgrass and the protection of eelgrass that, as particularly, oopsie, grows along Sand Dollar Cove and, and, uh, and, and, you know, the protection of these, uh, of eelgrass, which is actually very, very important for. Carbon sequestration, sorry, yes, sequestration, which we've learned from Peter Fippen as and well. Who's exactly. About so it. it's a very strategic plan. It's very yeah. true. But the truth is, there is eelgrass beds everywhere, and it's not it's not obvious that these things are happening because people are gamming. Yes, <laughs> um, and just having a good time. Right. And really, what it was about, and that's the, here we're the faux. Fotraverse. What do you call the it? Fotraverse. Fotraverse. <laughs> um, it was really, you know, eighty percent of the people in that room, perhaps more had never heard of eelgrass before right. these meetings. And yet here they were, you know, in a staunch, defensive, protective posture over this plant. And right. it really was about the annoyance yes, that these the people noise. who uh, live on Smith's Point, which is a very tony part of Manchester, right. uh, it's probably where our highest real estate valuations are. Let the fighting begin. No, it's me. I'm the most, our neighborhood's the most expensive. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's one of the most expensive neighborhoods in Manchester. Definitely. And so they sat there and said, you know, um, you know, we really don't. I have to say, they're all around like eelgrass, eelgrass, eelgrass versus the fact that this is a public park, essentially. The waters are a public park. Absolutely. You cannot, you, you know, can. you can't buy, you know, you bought your house. It doesn't mean the view, you, you know, if you bought it. Yeah, you didn't buy the ocean. You didn't buy the ocean. <laughs> And so that really was the back and forth. In the end, Bayon brokered something of a compromise. And he he got a hold of these really expensive moorings that he got through Massport, believe it or not. I think they cost 40 grand a piece. Wow. And they are sort of a mushroom, an inverted mushroom uh, configuration. They go underneath at the bottom of the water. They fan out. They're very heavy and anchoring. And therefore, you can put more than one boat on them, things like that. I think okay. uh, that's sort of where it all ended up going. He also moved the no the no wake zone out okay. uh, considerably, and that also helped the problem. Yeah, that's nice. So here we are, two years later, right? So there, so it, that was what was happening. You basically had the rights of people who do things that aren't my jam, but guess what? They're allowed to do it. Sure. And then these, you know, this neighborhood that it was looking for any opportunity to kind of break up the party, quote, literally, quite literally. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. Uh, it came up again. The selectmen are going to consider, you know, they looked for Bayon to come up with a uh, solution to this, sort of a recommendation. Are we going to do a regulation? Are we going to ask for permits? Are we going to ask for st- police details on the water, which would oh, be very, very goodness. expensive no. if you pull a permit? So they're they're considering it all, and I hope cooler heads will prevail, and they'll come to a nice sort of set of understanding. Because the truth is, 
often these are the these are local people who who do this. This this particular group of people, there's a wide spanning group in Manchester. They all love their boats and they all love to tie up on Sand Dollar Cove. It's a family tradition in many cases that apparently go back generations. Okay. This is like third and fourth generation people who that's what they like to do on the weekends. And the truth is, it's like maybe eight times a year. Right, right, right. I mean, it's an inconvenience. I, I like to say, there's two things I tell people whenever this conversation comes about. One, I talk about, I go back to those 2019 public hearings and there was one gentleman and I wish I could say his name, but I don't want to, I don't want to call him out. Okay. And don't the do. truth is I love him for this. Okay. And I, and whenever I see him, I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't, All right, I'm not going to say. This is for you. This person stood up and said, and they live on Smith's Point. And they just told the truth in the middle of like hundreds of people. Instead of like faking it and saying he was talking about eelgrass, eelgrass or he cared. said, you know what? He goes, I paid a lot of money for my property. I don't want to see all that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know what? Now thought, we can talk. I thought, I went, ah. Right. You are heard. We hear you. Well, and also I love the fact that he just, just had honest. the balls to yeah. tell the truth about what he really- Now we can really thought. talk. I thought, there we go. Exactly. Yeah, there now it is. We can really so now talk. we can actually talk about now real we can have a conversation. pretending that we're all wrapped up in eelgrass. Exactly. Instead of having a, this fake conversation. I mean, listen, nothing against eelgrass. It's and by great. the way, nothing against public safety. There yeah. is there is a point at which those parties really might strain public safety. And Bayon is absolutely correct to be vigilant about saying, you know what? Of course. This is starting to feel unsafe. So I'm not, you know. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, so what happens next? What's next on, the, on this? Um, that's why I said cooler heads will probably prevail, and I hope they do. I mean, I, I don't know anything, but uh, the select board said um, ask Bion to give a recommendation before the end of the calendar year because okay. he's really busy, obviously. Okay. Yeah, I mean, sure. he's slammed. This, 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 is this, is his, this is his season. Yeah. So he said, oh, no, I'll get it too much earlier. The good news is, even if he got it to them in October, it would be the result of the of a, of a dramatic cool down period okay. on everybody's side, and I think that mm. that's going to be really be a good thing in this case. I think so. Okay, good. All right. Well, Another you. topic I probably spent too much time talking to you about. <laughs> well, it is terribly interesting. And I'll in be short with everything else. <laughs> All right, we're going to whip through, no. but we do have a few other little things to talk about that are delightful. One is I had heard. From my friend Jim Binky, science writer, friend, um, about this woman that swims every day in Singing Beach. And as it turns out, her name is Martha Wood, and she has just completed something extraordinary that you reported on. So tell us what Martha was up to just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I got a text from uh, Jim, Jim Benke saying, <laughs> yeah. great job in the article. Yes. And, and the and truth is, I mean, I, I I just thought it was remarkable. She's not, I don't know her, um, but Martha Wood is a, uh, she lives over on Tappan Street and she uh, is very, very much an endurance swimmer. She belongs to a, a like a, I don't want to call it a polar uh, plunge club, but it's, it's, but it's like, like a year round. It's a year club. round swimming club in Boston and they're yeah. very, very serious. Yes. And so she, this isn't something that, oopsie, I swam the, and this is the story, the English oh, channel. She God. successfully swam the English channel last week. And, you know, oopsie, I just thought I'd wake up and, you know, oh, no. swim the English channel. No, it's, it's an incredible in challenge and it's, and it takes, an un, it has to take an unbelievable amount of preparation and training and she did it and and yeah. she did it first of all i found out all this after after learning about this that august is the month that people do this this right. is if you were to look at a, a scattergram of you know the total number of crossings that people attempt to make in this extremely busy commercial 
you know, you said um, the channel. busiest. Actually. It's the busiest. Exactly. It's a very, very busy with, with commercial big ships yeah, and everything. Shipping. It must have, be very, very dangerous. You have to, you swim with a team that, sure. that follow, tracks with you on a boat right. and fed her water every 45 minutes. Right. And, and, sort of and the rules foods. are that she, she may not touch the boat. Yes. She may not touch the boat. If she does, she's kind of disqualified. Sure. And so, um, she did this and Apparently August is the month um, that it's done because of the temperatures, but it's incredibly ruthless tides. It's very, very challenging. It's been only done, and and what I found interesting was they they track the number of crossings as opposed to the swimmers. So, and the reason I'm saying that is very important because first of all, there's been about forty five hundred, let's say, I think it's about four four thousand five hundred okay. crossings, swims, okay. swims okay. since eighteen seventy eight. Okay, and. Uh, since they've been tracking it. And the reason why it's interesting is they do swims. Sometimes swimmers do multiple, have done multiple okay. swims in their in their wow. lifetime, which is really interesting. And what that means, I say that, is that that pushes Martha into a much smaller category of, of achievers. Yes. Right? So, and of those 4,500, call them, crossings, half of them, so about 2,200, something like that, have been solo, which means the other half have been relay. I mean, I could do a relay. I'd get 1,600 of my friends and say, hey, let's uh, do a crossing. I'll carry the I'll beer for, for the, the first, first 10 minutes. Exactly. I'll do 10 minutes with my beer. And that would be, that's that's what I'm capable of. I'm on your team. That's my, Sign us yes, up. Yes, exactly. Next year. So that really puts yeah. her into this rarefied category. And Completely. that's really, I mean, I only say this because it's just it just only sharpens the point that this is an extraordinary feat. And here's the other thing I'm going to say about Martha Wood. <laughs> She, first of all, made the crossing in 12 hours and 33 minutes, I think it was. I think, right. I think that was what, I what it so was. Too. The average, since they've been tracking it, which I believe is like in the 1920s, right? The average is an hour longer. So she was quite good. And that in, that in both genders, they're tracking everybody. Right. That's the full average. Right. She came in at 12 hours and 33 minutes, oh which is an hour faster than the average of all time and and... If you look at the map of how she went, yes. and apparently this is typical because you can't do tides. No, it's rare that anybody does a, because it's all now tracked with GPS. It, oh, yes, yes. Right? So you can see exactly her track. It looks like this kind of <laughs> swanee S, you know? <laughs> just like thought, she's wandering like, away like, across. Like, oh, I think like, oh, I'll go, oh, yes. go over here. And of course, that's not what happened, but you look at the map and you say, holy crap. She could have gone faster. She could have done it faster. So there you go. Yes. I mean, Martha Wood, good honor. I mean, I just think it's extraordinary. I, I, and little Manchester by the sea. Yep. Here we are. Now I do have one more question. So this was her first time. Do you happen to know if she plans on attempting this again? I don't know because when we ran the story, she had not yet returned oh, from England. She's yeah. actually returning, I think this weekend, like Ooh. when we're talking, we're talking when she's, in. I should bring her we in, but I, I have so many questions, but I will say this. <laughs> This is what her reported to her friend who lives on on Tappan Street, who's been so excited to like track, you know, yeah. Martha Wood. She said, "I've almost been like a stalker in terms of her watching her progress." She's so excited, sure. which I love. And she reported in that I she was asked how she felt as soon as she did completed. Yes. And the quote is the quote is amazing. It's, it's like one, I'm going to never forget this. This is what she said. She said, how do you feel? Right. How do you feel? You how know, you, you feel, just swam the English channel. How do you feel, Martha? And she said, apparently pure bliss with some undertones of barfiness. <laughs> 
I should have led with that. College that should have been my lead. That, yeah, that should have been our headline. What is wrong with Pure us? Pure bliss. I can't imagine too many circumstances or events in your lifetime that would prompt the response. Pure bliss with undertones of barfiness. Undertones of barfiness. barfiness. And how often do we get to write in the paper the word barfiness? I don't know, Martha, but I like her. <laughs> I do too. Congratulations, yes. Martha. Congra- actually, you that, are that's really the bottom inspiring. line, right? Isn't that the bottom line? Absolutely. Congratulations. That's extraordinary. That's awesome. Right. With an exclamation point. Indeed. All right. Well, goodness, this is so much to talk about. We, have a, we had a piece this week from our beloved... Mushroom writer, Mushroom of the Week, Gary Gilbert. Gary Gilbert, who he's married to, um, his wife is from Montreal, oh, and right. they both speak French. So we laughingly <laughs> call Gary, Gary Gilbert. Gary Gilbert. Is that okay that we told people that? So Gary Gilbert. In Gary Gilbert. Another another article mushroom about of the week. Mushrooms of the Week and... You know, we'll be quick. Of course, we're in a drought. You edited this piece. So I, I did edit this piece. And what I loved is that we had a complete change of heart with mushrooms. Usually it's all rah, 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 symbiosis, mycorrhizal networks. We're sharing, we're sharing. Well, not so much this week. He talked a little bit about saprobic fungi, which Gary, I apologize. I've only read it. I've never said it out loud. I hope I'm saying it correctly. <laughs> Who are not as generous as other mushrooms. The reason we are still seeing them is that they... They dive deep and they they basically thieve away. They steal sugars from trees mm. and they don't share resources. They don't share their waters or minerals. They just go in and get it and therefore they survive. But they do pay us back by being instrumental in basically the structure and layers of the forest floor in this time of year mm. when there isn't a lot of water and things aren't growing. They actually provide sort of a network so that things hold together and give us a healthy oh, forest floor. So they're not completely just scamming stuff, but they do in turn provide well, something find, for the forest. By the way, don't you find that in nature? That well, you know, I was that, just going to say. Things that we want to hate in nature, a, we find out later it has ticks, an incredible purpose, right? Exactly. right? exactly. And as a fan of nature um, in general, I always so, think so it, can't be, it can't be that So you're saying that this network way. that is essentially uh, a parasite, basically, you know, sure. a parasitic network it actually, when it dies, it provides a structure of a network for other species to of mushrooms to ride on. Is that kind of what you're describing? You know, I don't know as much, and Gary can speak that to that more. But basically, the structure of the forest floor itself, oh, got sort it. of as yeah. like a, a a blanket and a protector of things. Go. It and it's always this way. And yeah. yet, I don't know the answer for ticks. That's one everybody brings up. But in this case, for mm. these mushrooms. Although they are kind of naughty and they just go and take and you know, don't mushroom. leave. They're, they're naughty <laughs> mushrooms, the thieves of the forest. It turns out they're actually secretly giving back. Well, so I would we like them. I'm not a big, you know, I, I, I'm not obviously not a mushroom expert, you can tell. But when he sent in the photos with this piece, oh. it was literally familiar objects that I just never identified as mushrooms. And I bet you a lot of other people read it the exact same way. They'll say, oh my gosh, I didn't know those things were mushrooms. Exactly. Those kind of fanned Kind yes, of almost hard, of hard, you know, and... enameled kind of. Uh... Yeah, it's almost the stuff your nails are made out of. Exactly. Called, yes. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't have the word anyway, at my fingertips. Very interesting but... read. And yeah. by the way, Vincent Just... Vincent Spada has been a regular, a, a new column for a columnist for us. We should have him in. He's a bird watcher and he yes. started Bird's Eye View. And uh, which I love, and he's doing black cap chickadees this coming week, which is awesome. I love chickadees, and so he's and he's sort of this fun, buoyant 
bursty writer. You know, hi, happy <laughs> birding. He, he uses a lot of exclamation points. When I it's edit him, worldly. I need to remove the. Yeah, I is. remove half the exclamation points. I feel like I'm editing, you know. Look at you <laughs> t- tampering down his enthusiasm. I'm sorry. Yes. But it's been fantastic. And he's done three three columns for us so far. And it's very good, nice compliment with yes. Gary. And, and by the way, I was laughing when I saw the black cap chickadees because it reminded me of, are you a B-52s fan? Oh, my oh. God. Okay. They're from Athens, Georgia. Sorry, okay. I was I ra- was raised <laughs> partially in Georgia. They're fantastic. Okay, well, hello, Kate Pearson. She is like, there's this line she has in one of their songs. That's, that's all I could think of when I saw Vincent's, uh, you know, article. It was like, hi, my name's Kate and I am a Pisces. I love tomatoes and black cap chickadees. And I never understood what black cap chickadees were until I read the column. There you go. I love that you pulled a B-52 reference out of... Are like bird watching article. Let me tell you, when you're like 19 years old, you hear some enthusiastic, hi, my name's Kate and I am a Pisces. Oh, yeah. And then you go, okay, <laughs> tomatoes and black cap chickadees. chickadees. You're like, okay. What the hell, right? I'm There's with so you, much Kate. more than just rock lobster. <laughs> and I always just call them chickadees. Now they're called black chickadees. Oh no, they're beautiful. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. they're abundant here yeah. and they eat So read it hand. next week. <laughs> Fantastic. To look forward to. All right. And the last thing we do need to always talk about because it happens every year and has for the past six years is tremendous is the shave to save. Um, Dawn oh Burnham, my God. Yes. Old, beautiful Essex family, tremendous woman. A friend of hers came down with cancer and to raise money and breast cancer awareness um, and cancer awareness. She started the shave to save six years ago mm-hmm. where, and I've never been, but you have locals shave their heads and in order to, that you get sponsored you raise money, and I can't remember yeah, what the number First is. First of all, I would say that it's it's yes, it's Dawn Burnham, and Dawn Burnham kind of has this legacy of of just tireless oh, tireless shit. work it's, for the oh, town. The, the, I mean, the playground. I mean, over and over again. She's she been. Has I think she's volunteered given. for the for the election. You know, like, she's uh, <laughs> an election volunteer years. for thirty seven years, yeah, exactly. literally. And her father was on the board of selectmen, oh, and, yeah. and her husband is a fireman for the entire. I yes. mean, she really is one of those. She and her husband are one of those people that just are always there. And they're they're all about Essex. They're all about Essex. Yes. So, you know, right after I took over the paper, I actually met Dawn very, very quickly because Essex was celebrating its bicentennial. And so I I kind of got involved with her and she kind of pulled me into this Shave to Save fundraiser that she had done. And it's for St. Jude's uh, Hospital for Children. And so- what it is, is these women, um, it started as women, and it was a small group of women, like maybe six women, who would grow out their hair, and then they would, you know, kind of like, a, you know, you'd ride a bike, you know, the Pan Mass Challenge, you'd get people to sponsor you, right. and then you would, a little bit of a spectacle, Yeah, they would shave it. their heads in solidarity to, solidarity to women with, with cancer. Yes. And she did this with her friend, you did mention that, her name is Jane Shaw, and she had been yeah. in remission for 17 years when they started this. And I actually met Jane Shaw that year that they d- had done it, which I think was probably their third year. Okay. Well, the back then, and by the way, my, uh, you know, they would all dye their hair. Or Dawn yes, started this. I Dawn's met her the, the first one. time with pink hair, and I thought, wow, fantastic. I, I, yeah. Little did I know it was coming off. And that's week. Dawn. That's all Dawn. Like it'll be pink this year. It was green. Yes. So I think she's partial to green and blue because she's done that the last she several can totally years. Pull it off. Too. And then they just shave it off because yeah. you can you can go ahead and dye your hair whatever you want because it's all coming off anyway. Right. And so that now they all many of them do it. As a matter of fact, I was you know uh, uh, I was watching. Um, Barbara DeJager, I think is, I, okay. I, I forget how her name is pronounced, right. her last name, but she had uh, blue hair, you know, that's and it fun. all came off her little ponytail. So that's it. That's what yeah. it was, right? So here we are, you know, zip forward th- three years. 
and what a difference several years have made in, in many ways. First of all, it's now at the Village Restaurant in the parking lot, and it almost has this block party feel. It's really yeah, big now. It's, it, quite- it's, it's become sort of a community thing, and you can really sort of track the change, and it's really fantastic. Yeah. Total, she's raised in six years, like $75,000, which yeah, is nothing, sh- no, you know, no, 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 That's nothing wrong there. That's significant. Yeah. And now it's families get involved. The lions come and they volunteer and they bring their big, they have a big contraption, you know, they have a big trailer that's a big uh, barbecue and, and pit, oh, basically a mobile wow. barbecue pit. And then she had another food truck there, um, the Sacred Cod. The okay. village, of course, is amazing right. and they get in on the gig. And there's music and it's just really fun. And then the second thing is there are men. A lot of men now will do it, get involved, and they are part, they they're, they get in, get in. So it's not just a woman's thing. It's not just right. a... And then sadly, sadly, the, the biggest change was that Jane Shaw, who had been in remission, yeah. it came her breast cancer came back, and yeah. she died a couple of years ago. And yeah. it was um, so at, at that time, I think it was three years ago, they actually changed the name from save, "Shave to Save" to the um, the Jane Shaw Shave to Save. It's right. it's in her name, and it's just a lovely. It's a lovely event. It really yeah. is. I think that um, you know, it's all Essex too. It's yes. a real Essex. Comer, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, and, and th- that day was like happened on a Monday night, you know, the village is buzzing, you know, the parking right. lot, which is right on the corner there of like, oh, the causeway. And, yeah, it's exactly. The hub of yeah, SX. exactly. So it's really high profile. You sort of say what's going on over there. It's kind right. of cool, which is fantastic. And then at the same time, and it, this was just coincidence, the Essex uh, Shipbuilding Museum had its <gasps> monthly farmer's market, oh, which is yes. also in the afternoon. Delightful. So it kind of had this great feel of go from one to the other kind of thing. It's nice. I love it. I, love I, I, I just think that, you know, Dawn, it's just, I mean, and her whole family, I mean, they just do a really great job. I mean, it just shows you that one person can really make a difference. Two Absolutely. people can make a difference. Yeah. The Huge. heartbeat of Essex. Yep. And and she's been steadfast mm-hmm. and will continue to And be. if, by the way, I mean, I don't do this often, but if you still want to donate, you certainly can. They'll take your money. Great. Um, you can mail a check or get in touch with Dawn, but you can mail a check to P.O. Box 74 in Essex. Zip code 01929. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Well, gosh, thank you for getting me up to speed on some of the things that I wasn't able to get to and getting us all up to speed on things that we should be knowing more about. We went a little um, long, kind of like last time, but I, that's we, we'll okay. shorten it up. <laughs> or not. We'll just do what we do. Right, so well. always fun. Thank you so much, Erica. No, thank you, Chris. This is great. All right. Bye. Bye, honey. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidecar. To hear more Cape Ann stories like these, subscribe to the Sidecar Podcast from thecricket.com on your favorite podcasting platform.